Hey, welcome back to the Inn at the End. I'm glad you could make it. I think you know the drill by now. Why don't you grab a seat? This part of the story is my favorite. Connie faces an existential crisis. <laughs> All right, I'll bring you some drinks. of Sir Drexel's Order of the Midnight Sun. He guaranteed them safety should they stumble upon the Bedouin tribesmen as they traveled noonwards, but as we're about to see, it might not be that easy for our adventurers. Let's take a closer look, shall we? Let the adventure begin. It would be good to meet some other travelers out here and perhaps settle down for a spell and resupply. Uh, these two city folk here, <laughs> not used to the desert, eh? I guess not. Uh, comfortable hot. in the darkness. Out here, it's ice and hot every day. It's enjoyable. You've got to get used to it. But we can take part in a festival, set up camp. We've got a nice tower now. Oh, yes, exactly. That's we have true. our own space. We want to bother any of the festival goers for uh, for room and board. Perhaps we could set it up as a uh, uh, some sort of hotel in the middle of the desert. Make a bit yes. of fun out here. Oh, yes, perhaps. Yes. Okay. I like how you're Ooh. thinking. Yes. Make uh, some ice is. and get a cool in there. Oh, my gosh. He has yes. his new scam. I have a spell that can conjure ice. We may be able to get away with this. I can write well, a commercial jingle. Perfect. Follow me, and uh, I'll make the introductions. I most likely know them. Great. And you guys make your way um, towards towards what you assume is the Sunstroke Festival. And the travel is pretty grueling for Docs and Conrad, who are tired. And out here, it's much more flat than other parts that you've traveled. It's you, and you are under the constant scrutiny of the heat and the sun and eventually though you make it takes you probably another half day's travel or so and connie and docs you know they're probably really feeling on their last legs they're not feeling 100 percent. they need shade they need water things like this but they're sort of in front of you uh it almost looks like a mirage in the in the heat there is the Sunstruck Festival, and it is the the Bedouin tribe that uh, Lynn had told you about. Oh, we mentioned we saved Lynn, and hey, we are in. We're in like Lynn. <laughs> oh, we'll call it the Lynn's Tavern and uh, Hotelery. <laughs> right, now you're thinking, old chap, let's go. Hey, firing on all cylinders today. 
Excellent. You guys go. You make no problem. However, people saw you and they're a little skeptical. I was waving. <laughs> they're a little skeptical of outsiders who wave and they send horsemen to meet you. And before you know it, unless you guys take action, you're encircled and it's not nice. Their horses are prancing and galloping and kicking up dust. And these horsemen are wielding curved swords and they're sort of lashing them at you before they kind of open up. And there's probably like a dozen horsemen all encircling around you and one, and he's wearing a a little bit brighter clothes. At least they look more freshly washed. Right. And the, and the Bedouins, they all wear these bright, uh, very colorful clothing uh, that stands out in the desert, especially. And, and, and he comes up and he says, what are you doing out here? We, we, You're uh, encroaching on our tribal territory. If if I may, uh, my my dear friend, uh, I am Zashir the Nomad. Perhaps you've heard of me, chore guide and uh, resident scallywag of sorts. I uh, we are traveling here and uh, searching for you know treasures you might find out here on the waste. Uh, but more importantly, we just ran into your fellow Bedouin tribesmen. Lynn, the camel herder, and uh, we saved him from a couple of cultists. And just then, uh-huh. just then, a bunch of the horsemen stop, and 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 they're a little less frantic, hectic, but they're still circling around you. And he's dead still in this in the, in this in the middle of the circle of these horses. And he's like, Lynn, Lynn yes. has been dead for three years. Oh, well, fuck me. Um, ah, this, okay, well, we saved a man calling himself Lin, and perhaps uh, we have been bamboozled. And if so, uh, you would take pity on a group of adventurers trying to save lives and getting fooled by a man who's assumed the identity of a man dead for three years. He, he was quite an attractive man, too. He had long, long, beautiful hair with some blonde streaks in it. Does the does that sound like your Lynn? What what Zashir would know is that Zashir knows that he can't lie to these people. And these people see the bangle and they know that he can't lie to him. Mm. So he becomes a little alarmed that Zashir is sitting him telling him that he encountered Lynn and all this sort of stuff. And when he's saying he's bamboozled, this guy, he's not he's not as irritated as it as he would have been coming from somebody else. And and he's essentially like, listen. We can't let you in to the camp unattended, okay? We're going to have to bring you in, and we're going to have to take you to the elders, all right? You're going to have to tell them exactly what you told me this year. Do you understand me? I understand you clearly. Clear as the sun is in the... Yep. <laughs> and he says, "You, any of you make a wrong move, and you're dead. We'll leave of you course. for the vultures. What of course, I would define a wrong move. A move that I don't like. Okay. Yes, so. yes, yes. Yes, yeah, so oh. Franco. Yeah, it's, you know, just uh, we will mind our P's and Q's, good sir, and uh, you take us to your leaders. Great. And he escorts you into the camp, and Balin's like, wrong move. <laughs> wrong move. I've never made a wrong move. Balin, if you... Gives a wink. If you move one, I will kill you myself. So uh, this man brings you in accompanied with uh, a dozen horsemen and they they sort of corral you 
into the camp. And as you get there, you realize that this is a pretty regal setup they have out here. There are high crested tents with bright reds and blues and yellows and all sorts of colors. And there are fun flags waving with all sorts of different designs and shapes and banners just bustling in the in the wind. And people are they're a little surprised to see you because not many people come out to the Sunstruck Festival. But they're excited. It's fresh, you know, they're fresh faces, new blood, and people are cooking and they're dancing and there's music. And, and, and Connie, this, this music just almost makes you want to dance, even though you're so exhausted. But what's more is you come in, uh, there's this sort of big corral, I guess, for fucking, yeah, it's a corral. There's a big corral and it's penned in and in there, there are there are reenactments in games. And on one half, there are uh, tribesmen who seem to be re- uh, reenacting a battle against uh, uh, what looks to be like a big, just hulking suit of armor. But the armor, the armor is not moving, but it's like nine feet, 10 feet tall. And the tribesmen are whizzing past it like dervishes just hacking at it. And uh, Connie, shut it. Um <laughs> So on one side they're reenacting this battle, and on the other side it is feats of of nomadic uh, competition. There is archery, and there is dagger throwing, and there are foot races, and 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 there are people sparring with wooden swords, etc. And they lead you around the corral, and everybody dismounts and they tie up their horses. And he says, "This way." And at the far end of the corral, the biggest tent yet. And he holds a flap open for you. And he invites you all in. We we go in. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Naturally, inside the tent, <laughs> it is unnaturally cool. Oh, Whereas on the outside, you could have probably fried an egg on a rock. Uh, in here, you can feel the sweat just sort of evaporating off of your body. Your clothes become cool and 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 almost chilly and. Up top, you can see the tent is kind of an interesting apparatus. You can see the sky and the sun, but it seems to really not let much of that light in. So it is nice and easy on the eyes. Docs begins to feel a little better. Connie begins to feel a little better. But in here, the party almost rages just as hard as anywhere else. And there at the far end of the tent is a circle of nine people sitting on soft pillows and they're smoking hookah and they are eating roasted bugs and scorpions on sticks and and weird like almost like giant potato bugs that they've roasted on the embers in the middle of their of their circle here and while the other horsemen they all sort of circle around you they're off their horses obviously they kind of circle around you the other one walks up and he says uh, I'm sorry to bother you all but the Leonin here has something that he'd like to share with you all. And he says, sir. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, I come before you humbly and I kind of get down to like a knee. Me and my companions here uh, just ran into some cultists and saved a man from a rather terrible fate. And we then we sent him on his way. He, he insisted his name was Lin, the camel herder. Uh, but as your uh, horseman here, as fine gentleman, has informed us, Lynn has been dead for some time. Uh, now, obviously, if you note the bangle on my mane, this unfortunate 
entrapment. I cannot lie to you. I only tell you what we have experienced. We've come here to seek refuge. My two uh, companions here are suffering dearly from heat stroke. Uh, so if they could perhaps get some assistance, uh, that would be rather wonderful. Your eminence. And I bow. And you can see one of them, elderly lady. She's got just thick dreads curled up on her head, but they are they're white. And she kind of nods to some people. And um, one of the guards, one of the, the, the horsemen that had guided you in sort of uh, gently nudges Connie and Docs and gestures over uh, to another part of the tent. If, you guys, if you'd like to accompany him, you guys are welcome to. You can see that there are definitely some sort of refreshments over there. Uh, mm, things refreshments. like that. <laughs> Connie goes, for sure. Gin ingredients. <laughs> and she says, okay, exile. Tell me about this Lin. What else did he tell you about us? Uh, well, he informed us that if we had mentioned his name to you, that uh, it would it would go a long way. We could seek refuge with you. It, it uh, apparently this Lin character uh, held a rather high place in in, in your hearts. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> You know, your society-wise, where camel herders are, it seems like that's probably a lower station. But perhaps you liked him, like he was a good guy. One thing that you know, Zashir, I'll just fill you in, that uh, livestock, you know, they're sort of the lifeblood of the Bedouin tribes in a way. Uh, So herding is actually not a low position. It's a very esteemed position. And in fact, all of the warriors spend time herding at some point or another. Um, So anyway, but she kind of recognizes what you're saying. And she says, exile, Lin has been dead for three years. Yes, he told us that. And you say that he told you where we were or there's abouts. Well, he he didn't. We just happened to stumble upon you. We were heading this direction anyways. What brings you this far out uh, into the expanse? We, well, shit, I can't lie. We're looking for that uh, treasure that is so fabled here in the expanse. Mm. More treasure seekers seeking the prince's treasure, and all, uh, all nine of the the folks just all laugh at what she's saying, including the the guard that was <laughs> next to you. Uh, we are we are fools, but as you can tell, uh, a Leonin without a pride has not much else. Well, if you are looking for the prince's treasure, then you should know that everything this uh, this close to noon, or rather everything on the other side of us towards noon, is just a graveyard of treasure-seeking fools. And alas, we must go once more into the chaos. Uh, well, as much as it is difficult for me to accept your story about Lynn, I know that you cannot lie. And you should know this if you choose to go further noon, is that things are beginning to make even less sense than they once did out here. Of course, magic runs wild in the Silishtar expanse, but it's even more so out here. If you say you saw Lynn, then I, I have to accept that because I too have seen Lynn and others that have left us and crossed the veil long ago. 
Well, so you're saying that perhaps this individual was telling the truth. Perhaps he was the uh, real genuine article. Yes, perhaps he was, or uh, an elegant facsimile. But good words. again, my own father came to me not even a fortnight ago, and he's been dead for 50 years. I've been finding wow. these spirits or these whatever they might be. They're just as lost in all of this as we are, and they don't seem to know that anything is different than it was when they were in life. Perhaps it is these magical surges that are causing all this. It is unpredictable. They are unpredictable. And in fact, we would have had our Sunstroke Festival even closer to noon if we could. However, the surges are growing more unpredictable the closer to noon you go. And what's more is... What feels as though should be a written law of reality is no more the closer you go to noon. So we dare not go any farther than we are now. I understand. Well, you must understand our position. We don't have much only hope at having a decent existence. Surely you can understand uh, men in desperation out here in the expanse all too common. Uh, yes, absolutely. This woman, she says, well, be that as it may, exile, it is not our people's way to say who can come and who can go, who can head noonward or not. You are free to do what you please, to chase the wind or ghosts across whichever lines you so choose. Though you are in exile, you are free, and we will not stop you. Uh, ah, we will not well, stop you. That is great to hear. Um, perhaps we could... Uh... In, enjoy your festival for a spell. Uh, don't worry about lodging. We, uh, <laughs> I pat my fanny pack. We've got our own uh, accommodations. Uh, be that as it may, you are welcome to uh, whatever accommodations that we can afford. Um, and yes, please enjoy the Sunstroke Festival uh, as long as you would like. Um, in- I believe my friend Docs has something to say. Uh, yeah, I was uh, wondering, like, the, the people that you see, they're like, uh, they, they passed and they've gone another way and, and but they're coming back. Do, do they seem like they're like, uh, like a higher presence or like they've, 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 they've become more than they were before or, or what are like, uh, is, is it the same like kind of world that we live in or, or like, do, do they have like some other uh, like powers? And she kind of considers it for a moment, and she says, well, when my father came to visit me, it was as though he had no recollection of his passing, but he did not strike me as some great force or powerful spirit or apparition. No, he had the warmth and the caring of my father as I remembered him in life. I can't say that I understand this phenomenon, but I am not afraid of it. How long did he here. stay with you? Oh, a weekend. He visited me two weeks ago, and we enjoyed preparations for the festival together. Uh, and then he told me that he had to return to Twilight for business, and I assume that he's gone now, yet again. That's really interesting news. I, I, I'm curious about how people can move beyond and 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 be in these and still be here that's that's really cool uh i uh, i'm trying to, to like kind of find my own way I, I i have a drink 
uh, if you'd like to share it with me and I'd, I'd like kind of run up to them and, and offer them, I take a swig myself and kind of wince and I offer them a drink. And I you would, see, I wouldn't. <laughs> you see like the, the tribesmen that brought you guys in the horseman at first, he sort of lunges and she just holds up her hand I... and um, she, she looks at docs and who just took a drink of this. And she says, ah, of course I cannot deny hospitality when it is given and she accepts your your drink and she takes a hearty a hearty bubble off this bad boy <laughs> and she just you can see a, a little little wince in there but she remains surprisingly stoic good right and she holds it out to the um elder that's next to her and but she looks for your approval yeah yeah pass it around not that's <laughs> about they, hookah and she gestures for a pillow uh that's that's kind of near her and you can sit down and, and enjoy the hookah if you'd like. I'm, I, Connie's going to pull out his chanter and, and start to lightly play some background music that seems to fit the mood. As things seem to be lightening up and getting more social, I want to play something maybe a little more cheerful. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're excited when they when they see you pull out uh, pull out a chanter. And, 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 and of course, she gestures. There are open seats everywhere. And if everyone would like to take a seat, smoke some hookah drink on Dox's flask or do whatever. And she gestures and, and, and some people bring over drinks and food. And there are plates with these big heaping roasted potato bugs and, and roasted scorpions on sticks. And you see a tray of like toasty tarantula legs and all sorts of different things. And the plates come around and you can take whatever you'd like. You can drink whatever you'd like. You can smoke as much hookah as you want. Not so the jug continues to pass around. I like take some of the oil from some of the tarantula legs and squeeze oh, yeah. it into the jug and add some of the refreshments to it. And uh, uh, maybe take even some of the scorpion poison and like uh, squeeze out the tail into it. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah. I'm, uh, Zashir is going to hit that pipe hard. Um, yeah. He is definitely one to indulge. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's, he's going to definitely sit down like he's, like he's one of them. Oh yeah, and you know that the that the tribal elders smoke some serious dank. So oh yeah, that's yeah, why you just sure. like you know being an exile, being being forced out of your tribe. Like you're just like hell yes, I miss this. <laughs> oh yeah, we kind of got high when we came in the tent a little bit. Little um, by the way, the uh, soothing nature of the tent and everything, and as you guys are enjoying the hospitality, you can go ahead and erase your exhaustion. Yay. I would like to just try to start weaving in some of that new song from the from the chaos storm because yeah, I absolutely. also I also I also kind of attribute that to meeting Lynn because he's a part of that tale. So um, I just kind of blend the the cheerful tune into that gravity song and right. just kind of see what what fun and occurs. That's that. That's awesome. Yeah, and 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 the spirit of just like gravity, sort of shifting as everybody's imbibing and eating. It's pleasant, and it adds to the cheery atmosphere that you were trying to create before. And it's just it's its own level of intoxicating. Cool. And uh, Franco, you're sitting there, and there is a man at the far end, and and he's got a braided beard, and he's wearing like a turban almost, and and he's been uh, enjoying watching you all talk to this other elder, and he says. Uh, tell me, um, sir, and he gestures to you. What, what, what is your name? Oh, yes. Uh, so sorry. I am Franco, the wielder. I carry many uh, powerful magics and uh, interesting items to sell. Uh, Franco, 
My name is Nasser. Nasser. It is good to meet you, Nasser. Thank you for your hospitality. Do you know what it is that you carry there on your hip? He gestures to the sword. Oh, yes. A uh, trinket like any other um, with a bit of magic in it. Uh, Mm. Not for sale, though. I'm sorry. Oh, a sword like that can never be simply bought, Franco, unless it wants to be bought. Yes, um, that has seemed to be the case with this particular sword. I uh, happened across it because no one else wanted it. Hmm. You know, it looks an awful lot like a sword of my people. I see. It was forged by one of our great heroes uh, thousands of years ago. He said that it was forged with half a wish taken from a genie's dying breath. <laughs> I, I shouldn't believe what you're saying, but I, that, that, <laughs> that makes sense. That would, that would, in fact, be the case with this thing. It is not all the way there. Seems like it's always trying to do something it can't quite. <laughs> well, I am pleased to see such a sword find its way back to our to our people. I'm certain that it will serve you as well as it had served ours many thousands of years ago. I uh, I hope so. Um, if we are unlucky in our endeavors, perhaps one of you will uh, find it again in the uh, noonward way. Ah. Uh, Perhaps so, but I feel as though perhaps uh, I feel as though perhaps it has served its time with uh, with the Bedouins and is on to other things. I see. Um, this hero that uh, forged it. Do you know their name? Uh, well, if the tales are to be believed, his name was Rowan. Rowan. He was a famed horseman. One of the best that our people have ever known. Of course, that is, if the stories are to be believed. Well, I'm sure half of them should be. It was uh, a time when our people were plagued by the ever-hateful spirits of wind that lived out here in the Silishtar Expanse. And Rowan sought a weapon that could protect him and protect his people. Hmm. But of course, one didn't exist, so he had to forge it himself. Like I said, if the stories are to be believed, I'm sure. I do get wish, this they say. striking suspicion that the sword does not like the elementals. Uh, so, at least in that endeavor, he uh, Rowan made something that does work. Um, <laughs> but half a wish, that's that is good news, indeed. So, you guys are welcome to stay here in the tribal encampment as long as you'd want. Uh, the other elder. Sonia is her name. She tells you guys that in a day and a half's time, they will, um, the festival will reach its peak with the burning uh, of an effigy um, in the middle of the, of the corral out here. I was wondering if it was burning, man. (laughs) (laughs) That is suspicion. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, we can't just call it the sunstroke festival and not have it be burning, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I want to spend most of the time uh, like discussing, since they already know that we're here to search for you know, the, the treasure, sussing out if they know anything about the treasure, um, anything, well, not anything, but if there's something that continuously pops up when they meet travelers, uh, anything about especially being in the noonward direction, or um, anything about like the 
items being separated and perhaps if there is some very good uh, liquor there. You're going to have to give me the beginning of that question again. <laughs> uh, I just kind of want to suss out information about the treasure, uh, essentially, and see if there's information that seems to line up. Um, it's not just like one person saying this is a couple of people and like there's a pattern. Right. There does seem to be a general consensus among a lot of people as you're sort of hanging out, talking, drinking with people that like there's a lot of rumors that the that that the treasure is noonward. And of course, I could have made this a little bit more obvious, but as you're asking people, it becomes very clear to that Balin himself, a lot of the a lot of the tribes people recognize Balin as sort of the source of these rumors, like where they heard it. Apparently, he spent some time with the tribesmen out here and um, was not tight-lipped <laughs> about the fact that he thought the treasure was noonward. Uh, whether or not anybody can confirm it with their own eyes, uh, no one has. But one thing that you gather is uh, noonward, the tribes have a story of a magical garden that is directly underneath the sun at noon mm. and everybody kind of has their own take on it you know they say like uh like the elders when you're talking to them about it it's it's not a garden no it's an arboretum it was made to um show off plants you know like a zoo but for plants when you talk to other tribesmen like at the bar after liquoring them up a little bit it's you know it's like a magical you know i don't know carrot farm you talk to other people and it's uh you know it's just an oasis a, a pool of water where anything can grow and the water can cure any illness um the rumors are all different but they're all the same and that there is something directly under the sun um i do drink enough to make a fool out of myself and pass out somewhere wherever <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. This is not just like you're going to pass up and be fine. This is a whole like day and a half or two days of revelry that you have to enjoy uh, before the man gets burned. <laughs> so you got to <laughs> boot and rally. So like, yeah, you might pass out for a little bit, but then somebody wakes you up and they're like sloshing some new liquid into your into your cask or whatever. Yeah, they like taken my jug and refilled it and brought it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because because that's the thing out here. The tribes people, they don't really have the same the same concept as like ownership and property. There is a lot of responsibility over things like that. So when people are drinking from your flask, it, it's not that they're trying to take it from you. No, that's they bring it back full with something new that they think that you might like. So um Zishir, you were saying something just a second ago. Uh, yeah, I was going to see if I can get uh, if I can get some info info from some some fellow nomads about any like uh, like nomadic tips about like our upcoming journey. If they know of any like um, good spots to like stop or like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. no, nomad like tricks of the trade. Like when you see, I don't know, like um, for sure, you know, yeah, you you kind of suss out some of the warriors among them all. And I don't know how, you know, clear minded you're staying during all this rivalry, but you kind you of want find me to roll it. like a constitution check. Sure. Yeah. If you're drinking and partying. Okay. Uh, so that is going to be a 10. Yeah. So yeah, like in and out some of these, these sort of glimpses of memory that you'll have when this is all over, you, you suss out some, some uh, warriors who, who are remaining a bit more sober than you, you think they're a good source of information. And they tell you that one of the things 
when they were sort of scouting Noonward, which is why they settled on this position. Uh, you know, A, uh, reality seems to be coming apart a little bit the closer to noon you get. And also, they encountered some terrifying beasts. In fact, you had seen them before, but they seemed to leave you alone. They had circled overhead. They seemed like gigantic, uh, almost reptilian-like birds that had circled overhead. And uh, one of them even gives you uh, a name. He says they were winged basilisks, and they they don't turn you to to stone with their eyes like the other basilisks might. Uh, no, they dive bomb you and they spit a sort of acid oh. at you. When the acid touches your skin, it becomes encased in skin. Uh, encased in skin. Encased in stone. <laughs> a really <laughs> fucked up spell. You just get a bunch of like calluses Extra over your skin. <laughs> got skin on my skin. They, they shoot you with psoriasis. <laughs> Uh, but it turns your oh no! Um, I left my cream at home. It turns your skin <laughs> into stone um, wherever it uh, touches you. Oh, all right. Well, that's good to know. Now we know ahead of time. They tell you so. that um, one of them says, "Yeah, I got it on me." But look, it touched me here, and he pats his arm, and it uh, it wore off eventually. It, but uh, I I'm afraid, like if he would have got my feet, if he would have got more of me, like he would have been pecking through the stone to get to the soft tasty morsels inside um so you know that it, it's not permanent but yeah question for the dm uh sorry if if we talked about this i don't remember it but did balin does balin actually claim to have been at the noon word point like subsolar maybe this is your time to interrogate him a little bit yo uh, balin come here he, he said he knew the treasure was there because he left it there that's what he told you guys okay. before yeah uh, so yeah, it, it, I'm taking a, a rest from playing songs. I've been playing for quite a while. So, uh, Connie's going to go sidle up next to Balin and say, Balin, I, uh, you're a curious fellow. I, I wouldn't mind having a song or two about you. Can, can I ask you a few questions to help gu- guide me on writing a song? And you could tell he's lit. You pulled him apart Uh-oh. from a, uh, you pulled him away from a, uh, drum circle, by the this, way, which this could he really was not. loving. He was just super vibing with all of these other like djembe players and stuff. And you just like, hey, can I talk to you? He's like, Connie, of course you could talk to me. He's like looking down at you. What? What is it? What is it, little dude? <laughs> uh, I, I'm curious about about the treasure and, and you placing it noonward. Yeah, pretty, pretty cool, right? It's almost too cool. <laughs> like, I don't know if, if a song that I write could be cool enough to tell the tale so i'm gonna need you to tell me in as much detail as you possibly can <laughs> how you got it there and how you got back because from what i hear it's pretty dicey out there connie when you are as famous and as good of a burglar as i am you can do anything you set your mind to and he just like kind of like pats your head patronizingly um <laughs> i check for my wallet <laughs> Well, that's that's great, but that's not much to write a song about. Tell, tell me, what was the most difficult challenge you encountered? Oh, the magic surges, obviously. Yeah. Like I just, that's how do you and say. how do you transport that much treasure? You know how much stuff the Emir owns, Connie? Do you know? It's like, do you even do you know the word opulence? Do you know what that means? I I do. Write it. You should write a song with the word opulence. That would be a cool. But look. Anyway, opulence. The man, he's got too much and it needed to go. 
Right. So I took it all. Why didn't you just keep it for yourself instead of placing it in an impossible location to get later? Because, Connie, I had to go through it all. Okay. I had to find. Okay. You see, Connie, you live in the expanse. So you you don't get it. Okay. But this place, it just sucks. And I want to go home. And I had to find my way home. I can't just be in the Emir's palace sorting through his treasure for weeks. It would be weak. That's how much treasure he has, by the way, Connie. It's weeks worth. Weeks it's- worth of treasure. <laughs> Got it. It's kind of like a metric. Um, so uh, were you actually employed by... Employed? <laughs> no. 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 I've never been employed. Okay. Okay. Halen gets more and more sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> the more we try to learn about him, the less yeah. we know. I don't know how this is working. You, you know, Balin, something I I find kind of confusing, and maybe you can elucidate the situation here. As I talk to you, talk about how great of a burglar you were uh, or are. And yet I only see trinkets you know nothing about on your person, and you are unable to wield them. And to be honest, that you don't have that much. I don't have that much. I don't have that much. Connie, if I didn't have so much self-control, I would almost show you just how much I have. You do have great charisma. I'll give you that. But uh, I dare you to show me how much you have. <laughs> Connie, Connie, this is, what, this is what's funny. If I get out of here, I will be the greatest burglar who's ever lived okay i know that's hard for you to get because you're not real okay connie so like you're out here you're trying to trick me this whole place is trying to trick me all the time and it has and i've been stuck here for a long time so nice try but no i'm not gonna show you everything i have it's not that easy connie (laughs) i'm real balen i'll have you know Honey, I know you are real. You're as real as everything else around here. And that makes you feel real. I get it. I reach out and I want to put my hand on Balin. Uh, I'll, I'll pinch him on his arm just to. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pinch Balin. On yeah, you, you pinch him. Yeah, you grab some skin. You pin- He's like, ow, that was Balin. I'm sorry, but that was just as much for you as it was for me. Did that hurt? Yes, you it's pinched because I'm me. real. I really pinched you. But no, also, Connie. I needed to make sure you were real because you're starting to weird me out, man. Connie, I know you're real. Okay. Then why you're you- real to this place? And that's good enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, can I do some sort of insight check or something? Yeah, roll okay. it up. Goodness. Okay. That's a non natural 20. Balin believes everything he's telling you. He is speaking with conviction. He is speaking with arrogance, the arrogance of a con artist, of a gambler, of a thief who thinks he is the best and he's almost gotten away with it. You have no reason to doubt it. Okay. Well, uh, Balin, uh, everything you're saying to me about myself and about what I see around me is really puzzling. And I think I'm going to have to meditate on that for a bit. This might be my Sergeant Pepper's album that I, I get out of this. Because this is pretty weird stuff, man. Uh, I'm sorry I bothered you. Uh, Have fun. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm, I'm going to go over here. I'm real. I'm going to continue being real over there. You cool. should go drink some of that those real spirits over there and smoke some of that real hash. It's good, man. I, can I get back to my drum circle? <laughs> sure. I can't believe I took you away for that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> right on, right on, right on. Okay. Anybody else have any pressing business they want to get to? I, we we kind of had Docs, Connie a little bit. Is it sheer? What about Franco? Oh, Franco's just chilling. He's he's finding a place that's comfortable, chatting with the uh, the elders. You know, yeah. if they want to chat. Um, yeah, not not doing anything of any consequence. Yeah, the elders are happy to host you, especially since you're uh, wielding uh, the sun warped sword. Um, they're happy to sort of be graced with his presence uh, again. And uh, yeah, they they treat you like an honored, revered guest for you know as long oh, as long as you want to hang so out. So much, he's, he's fantastic. So um, the the night the night the day carries on into yet <laughs> more day, and you know maybe you spend time drinking and hanging out, playing your 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 songs, drinking from your flagons, um, talking with guards, and maybe getting into some some fun tussles and dances and all this sort of stuff. Maybe you visit some of the battle reenactments down at the corral. Maybe you take part in some of the feats of of strength and of agility and of nomadic skill. But the party comes to a crescendo and everybody ushers you to the corral where they now have the enormous effigy of of a uh, of, of a horse built out here in the middle of the corral and they all sing some song they're chanting in unison there's like a thousand tribesmen out here or more and their song comes to a head and a man shirtless um rides his horse encircling around the great stick horse and thrusts a torch right into the belly of this thing and within moments it is completely aflame and if this was nighttime it would be as bright as daytime but it's not but the heat just radiates off this thing and everybody is chanting and dancing and they're drinking and the where before it was many discombobulated um you know um songs and dances and things now all of the drums are in unison all of the instruments are in unison all of the dances are in unison and people are just partaking in the in the rapture of the of the sunstroke festival coming to a head and um yeah i hope you guys enjoyed it that's going to be where we leave off uh for this session i i hope you guys enjoyed your your time with the bedouin tribes because when we come back you will hopefully be investigating what is noon word uh at noon rather so unless anybody has anything they'd like to add before we go uh, uh, connie asks this year am i real <laughs> well uh, to be honest i once spent a month with a man named ted turns out i had suffered severe heat stroke and he <laughs> never existed oh, so oh. i'm probably the wrong person to be asking about this old chap but uh you seem real to me anywho i'm pretty high <laughs> <laughs> and that is where we're going to leave it off for this week guys Thank you so much for joining us around our proverbial podcast table. I have been your host and BM Rhett, and joining me are Caleb as Conrad Amberseeker, Milo as Dogs, Alex as Franco, Dash as Zishir the Nomad. Guys, grab your swords and keep on adventuring. Thank you for listening. 
Thank you for listening along with our tale, Wealth Beyond Measure. The seventh installment will begin next week, right here, at the Inn at the End. Until then, if you would like to support our operation at the Inn, well, I'm sure the bard or the innkeeper would appreciate it if you visited patreon.com slash in at the end. Otherwise, a simple rating and a review on your preferred podcast platform of choice would be much appreciated. Either way, we look forward to seeing you next week for Chapter 7 of Wealth Beyond Measure. Thank you.